Coming up this week on Sporting Journal Radio. Next week's single digits. That will lock up those back bays. There will be spearing going on, I'm pretty sure. Um, it, it's going to happen real quick. Oh, incredible. The lowest I've ever seen it. Maybe there's a chance for some, for some snow bear fishing before Christmas. I fish, I hunt, and always will. Broadcasting from the Prairie Sportsman Studios. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. <laughs> We're not just a radio show anymore. Heck yeah. This is Sporting Journal Radio. Yes, it is. Welcome to the show. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thank you for tuning in on the network by demand at sportingjournalradio.com. You can download at your favorite podcast downloading place, or maybe you're watching this on YouTube. Thank you very much. That's Dan Amundsen right over there. Dan, how you doing? Doing all right. Dan, do you do you still like to deer hunt? Uh, that's a good question. Some days yes, some days no. Someday I'll stop doing it. You think so? I think so. I don't know. It's rifle hunting for sure there's too many people not enough deer and it's i've got better things i can do with my time but i like spending time with family so i'll keep doing it for that that's the best part of uh the gun season for me is a tradition with family but is that why you don't do it anymore i don't do it anymore well i don't do it anymore because i got i get busy that time of year but uh i bow hunt i bow hunt and uh our family tradition was in wisconsin and that requires uh you know five hours of driving and an out-of-state license and a lot of expense and uh when i was doing more waterfowl guiding we were always busy uh, around the the gun season in wisconsin so yeah i, I kind of got out of the tradition and it wasn't the same as it was uh growing up i know you still have the tradition in minnesota with your grandpa and your dad and you guys uh went up to uh, northern minnesota this year for that how did that go dan i've had better i didn't see a deer while hunting and i saw a lot of hunters so hmm. as to be expected but i saw more wolf sign in the woods than deer i'm not gonna say that's why i didn't see a deer but it makes you wonder that's all i'll say about that i don't want to get into that this week but it was a fun weekend up north and uh we'll get back at it in a couple weeks I uh, did not shoot my target buck, but I got fresh back straps uh, that'll be going on the grill. I'm pretty excited about that. Didn't punch my tag last year at all, so I'm glad that I got a tag filled. And uh, with our trip to Alaska coming up this year, I was a little worried about how much time I was going to be able to bow hunt. And the year before when I did shoot my deer, I think it was like the last week of the season, and it was cold. And what did you say to me, Dan, after the end of last year uh, when we went out there and hunted the last week of December and you were filming me? I'm pretty sure it was something about don't make me ever do this. Don't ever make me do this again. Well, I think I was sick. Yeah. It was cold. You kept missing. <laughs> so I was getting real sick and tired of, well, in the one time, the worst. So I was filming. You drug me out. The, you didn't drug me. You, I did, you, no, I, there you no dragged, I did not. dragged me out to, to film. Here, what's this smell like? And I you, these deer come in and like, hey, I don't have this. I don't have it in frame. I can't get this deer in frame. You go, I don't care. Flack. Like, well, all right. So why am I out here, pal? Luckily you missed, so we got another shot at it again. But so I told you, yeah, don't don't make that mistake. Shoot a deer before December. So at least we can do it when it's warm. Well, and that's that's why I shot at that deer, because I know you had enough of it in frame and enough you had the audio and you had enough. I think footage. I had the tail. Yeah. 
So if that's enough for you, sure. Well, we were we we hit her pretty hard last year. We went out and hunted hard in cold, cold weather. Phil and Dan, you were a trooper. You were there filming it the whole time. And I and honestly, I I knew you weren't feeling good. I was trying to get it over with. So that's why I didn't care that you didn't have the the best shot in frame. And well, I cared. Well, I know. So it makes me look bad. Well, well it made you look bad anyways. Yeah, I missed and I smoked a tree. And you can see that reel on my Instagram page, by the way. Follow me on Instagram, follow Dan on Instagram at Brett.Amundson. Uh Dan, what's yours? Oh, hang on. There, read that. Oh, at Dan underscore Amundsen. What about reading here? And of course, Sporting Journal Radio, you can follow us on there too. And by the way, I have, if you saw the beginning of this, if you're watching this on YouTube and you saw the intro to the show, the very first clip with those pheasants coming into the food plot that I filmed, I've got that as a reel on my Instagram page. Dan, it just went over 500,000 views on it. Wow. Which I know nobody else cares, but I like, it's crazy to me, 500,000 views. And it's, it is some of the comments I get on it. It is some of the coolest pheasant footage uh, that they've ever seen. And honestly, it was was the coolest pheasant footage i've ever seen i've never seen anything like it and i still can't believe i got it but you can see that video just rewind this show to the beginning or check me out on uh, instagram and you'll be able to see that uh we got a couple new sponsors for sporting journal radio that we're going to talk about in one second but first let's talk about who's going to be on this week's show and who our sponsors are this week we've got uh joe henry coming up we're going to talk a little bit of deer hunting and then we're going to talk about spearing on lake of the woods and getting ready for ice because it's cold we're going to be building ice early this year so we'll talk about getting ready to be uh, up on lake of the woods also garrett Sveer's been out there chasing big steelhead he caught one we'll find out where he caught it how he did it coming up in just a little bit and we'll check in with lucas mertens from haybale heights campground resort on devil's lake where they'll be getting ready for ice fishing right about now with all their snow bears in fact they've probably been getting been getting ready for a while so we'll check in with lucas here in a little bit dan who are the sponsors this week this week we've got haybale heights campground and resort on devil's lake book a trip to devil's lake at haybaleheights.com Ottertail Lakes Country, find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. Lake of the Woods Tourism, Lake of the Woods is the Wally Capital Planet trip for this winter at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. On X, know where you stand with On X. And Prairie Sports and watch episodes anytime at the Prairie Sports and YouTube channel or check your TV guide for air times. Well, coming up in a few weeks, we're going to be getting on a plane and we're headed to Alaska. It's a bucket list trip. Uh, for me, duck hunting in Alaska has been a bucket list trip for me. I'm sure you're excited about it too, Dan. Sure am. <laughs> How can you not be? We're going to Kodiak Island and uh, we're going to be chasing harlequins and longtails and uh, barrels, golden eyes and all, all sorts of other ducks. And just just seeing what I've never been to Alaska. Uh, so just getting to experience what Alaska has to offer meeting some of the local people out there and um, I may be doing a deer hunt I don't know most likely uh, just chasing ducks around well we're going to be filming it we bought a whole bunch of nice fancy camera gear we're bringing up there I just we're bringing five hard drives and all sorts of storage we plan on filming a lot and creating this uh, film we want to make it full of eye candy really cinematic tell us some really cool stories and show some of the best duck hunting that Alaska has to offer. It's for North American waterfowl. So if you don't follow North American waterfowl show on Instagram, uh, Facebook, wherever, check it out, follow it. we got some really cool stuff coming up for it. Uh, Boss Shot Shells will be our title sponsor for that. So Boss is going to uh, present the... 
Kodiak, a North American waterfowl film. Also, Sitka is going to be involved. We get to wear some of the Sitka waders while we're up there on the shores of Kodiak Island. I'm pretty excited. And when we talk to them about it, like, yeah, we're going to Kodiak, they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to want some of this this gear to stay warm up there because it is going to be cold from what I hear. It's already uh, snowing up there. There's been snow on the ground and it's going to be some interesting weather conditions, which I'm pretty excited about. So watch for that coming uh, next year, but we'll be talking about Alaska. We'll, I'm sure we'll have a bunch of footage that we'll put on this show right here starting in December. We're going up the first part of December. Uh, so check it out. Headed to Kodiak Island with North American Waterfowl. I'm so excited about it, Dan. I can't. I cannot believe that we're going there in a couple of weeks. I think it's going to be one of those things. Like when we went to Tazan, how I didn't quite believe it till we got there. I think <laughs> right. it's going to be the same thing. Man. I'm not going to get. Well, I am excited, but I'm not going to get too excited till I uh, actually see that the place is real. Yeah, because it might not be. What if, we're, <laughs> what if people are pulling our legs? Mark Smith from Aglow, the Association of Great Lakes Outdoor Riders. He's the one that invited us up there. So Dan and I are going to go up there with Mark. We're going to hunt with him. And then he's got some some of the locals on the island that hunt and fish every day. Uh, they love to do it. They're really interesting people. We're, they're going to be taking us out. So we're going to be learning uh, about them. They've got this really cool dog that loves to retrieve ducks in the in the ocean so we're gonna we're gonna get to experience this talk so we've got some really cool stories with this uh coming and when i started to tell mark what we wanted to do and what we wanted to capture with this film he goes well you better plan for two weeks so we're going up there for two weeks i and i think you know a lot of times it'd be like a three-day hunt in alaska you know or whatever now we're going for two weeks and well and with the weather though that might it might be a three-day hunt you know you, we just don't know so we might hunt for 14 days straight. We might hunt for three days straight and have to try to get out of there. And we might not get home for four days. We don't know. And that's hopefully what, we're home for Christmas. That's why it's a two week trip because you never know. You get, uh, especially when you get on some of those small planes, if the weather is not right, they're not going to take off, which I'm okay with. So we're giving ourselves a nice buffer. Uh, so uh, thank you, Sika. Thank you, boss. And we've got some other uh, sponsors that are real close to being a part of that event too. So hopefully we'll get them on. And if you want to be a part of that, if you have a you know product or something and you want to sponsor North American Waterfowl, the film from Kodiak Island, uh, let us know. We got a couple of new sponsors here to Sporting Journal Radio that we're excited about. They'll be uh, starting here very, very soon. Live Target. You see me wearing the hat right here. Uh, Live Target will be a sponsor here at Sporting Journal Radio. So we're going to be talking about uh, some of the brand new products that'll be coming out from Live Target. We'll we'll give you some sneak peeks at some of the brand new stuff that you may not you may not get to see it anywhere else. We'll uh, we'll we'll tell you about some of our experiences. We'll be trying out some of the new products. We'll be doing some giveaways. Uh, so thank you, Live Target, for coming on board. And then. Uh, Alclair Audio. I'm excited about this one too. Protecting your hearing is is more important than you realize. You don't get it back. And if you shoot like we do and you spend a lot of time hunting, that that shotgun blast is uh, can be so damaging to your eardrums. Protect it. Amplify the sounds. Cut out the damaging ones. And Alclair Audio does that with custom molded uh, hearing protection earplugs if you have to simplify things just a little bit and then they they've been making like in-ear monitors for musicians for years they're based they're a minnesota company they're based in the twin cities so we're really excited we're going to be uh trying out some some different different um uh hearing options 
even on this show, you get to see us wearing some, some Al Claire audio stuff. And then of course we're wearing them out in the field while we're hunting as well too. So thank you, Al Claire audio. Some interesting weather is coming here to our region as well, Dan, we might be ice fishing pretty soon. It's over. Uh, if you're a waterfall hunter, this earlier this week regions got blasted with snow and now everything's freezing up so unless you're on a big body water and it's been windy chances are you're looking at ice right now you might i don't even want to say it you might be trying to go ice fishing right now which if that's the case stop turn around go home it's probably probably not safe no but uh, it'll be coming i bet in a week to be safe i'll say a week and a half we'll be hearing people going out on on red lake i'm not ready for it I'm not I'm not completely sold that our waterfowl season is over. It's over. It definitely could be. I remember um boy, it was probably six, seven years ago, uh here in western Minnesota, uh November seventh is when our big water froze up. And I remember driving by, I was on my way hunting out there that morning, and I remember seeing the moon reflecting off the ice and thinking, Oh, that's that's not good. But ah, it'll warm up in a couple of days. That ice will be gone. No, it never melted, and our season was over. I think there was maybe a little pocket with a couple hundred Canada geese that we could we could pick on for a while. But it was it was all but over. So we're, we're still just starting to get, I think, the big push of birds. And if things freeze up, they will fly right over. But I think I think we get a little bit more hunting in yet. Dan's not so optimistic. Well, high aspirations, low expectations. If you live your life that way, you'll hardly be disappointed. If you're a deer hunter, though, it's go time for that. And it's just this cold weather is going to make it even better. Uh, Man, we've been seeing a lot of activity with bucks chasing does around and uh, seeing some new bucks on cameras that I hadn't seen forever, really, for that matter. So uh, if you still have a tag, whether you're gun hunting or if you're bow hunting, you should be spending a lot of time deer hunting right now because this dance Dan's just Trebek done with it not. he's just done with it. he's done with deer hunting he's done with waterfowl hunting doesn't want a pheasant hunt why aren't you fishing right now because i have to work <laughs> you don't have i mean you, well we're pretty mean i don't here. have to you okay can, well you can you, we went duck hunting this morning uh, he's gone <laughs> he's gone all right well dan's going fishing we're going to give you some fishing reports coming up here we got joe henry on the way we'll also talk to garrett severe and lucas mertens from Haybale heights campground resort all on the way come ice fish the famous waters of minnesota's lake of the woods the walleye capital of the world experience full service resorts featuring heated fish houses ice transportation meal plans and sleeper house options From the northwest angle to the south shore, Rainy River and Baudette, the Midwest's number one ice fishing destination. Walleye, Sauger, Perch and Northern Pike, Minnesota's Lake of the Woods, best fishing anywhere. For more information, log on to lakeofthewoodsmn.com. All right, now we're going to head up to Lake of the Woods to check in with Joe Henry from Lake of the Woods Tourism. Joe, have have you gotten out of the woods yet and started thinking about fishing again? Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, man, I, I don't know about you. I love the deer hunting season. I just love it. I look forward to it and everything else. I'm not hardcore, hardcore, but I try hard, you know. And uh, my goodness, we uh, we shot a, a good number of deer. My party did this uh, weekend. So I think I am done. I, I still have a doe permit left, but, you know, I don't. We shot enough deer that I'm going to have some venison now. Everybody in our party will. And uh, I don't I don't need to really shoot anything else. Uh, I would like to go in the woods just to be in the woods, but. Oh, St. John's has a football game this weekend and my alma mater, you know, and I few other things I can do. So I think I'm just going to hold off and I, I just, it's all good, man. I'll tell you what, sitting in the woods, 
good for the soul, isn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I love it. I'll tell you what I'm tagged out too. And as much as I would love to be back out there, you know, I bow hunt and I just, I love sitting in the stand. I'm glad, I'm glad I got my deer, deer done so I can focus on some other things because <laughs> those days do get long sitting out there. And, and, uh, you know, as much as I like to deer hunt, it's, uh, there's other things that I could be doing too. And, um, and, and honestly, right now, Joe, we're going to have to throw in another activity in there because based on the forecast, people are going to be ice fishing pretty soon. Tell you what, when you look at that forecast up at the Lake of the Woods, it's uh, it's single digits. It's teens and then next week, single digits. That will lock up those back bays. There will be spearing going on, I'm pretty sure. Um, it, it's going to happen real quick. So I would encourage uh, those anglers that like going early, whether you spear, whether you like going out with your maybe your four-wheelers or side-by-sides or whatever the case would be, get, get stuff ready because it is not going to be long. Right. And uh, ice fishing season, is this, this might be, is this a hair early, you think, if Lake of the Woods starts freezing up? Well, if, if it does, if it does, it could be a hair early. You know, uh, we've also had it before where, you know, it's Mother Nature. So when you have that thin ice, we've had it where it's, it's locked up and people have been out spearing and then it gets warm and they got to back off. But, you know, once that ice starts, we all hope for cold weather at that point. Why, why get warm now? We know it's coming. Let's just make good ice. And it's, it's out of our control anyway. I will say this, that, you know, we're so fortunate up the Lake of the Woods. we got a lot of very experienced uh, resort owners, ice guides, outfitters, et cetera, that, you know, once that, uh, they're used to going on that thin ice, they take the precautions, they, they figure out where that I- good ice is early based on the freeze up and everything. And then they uh, they mark start marking those trails. In many cases, they uh, they do some grooming. If it snows out on that ice, they get the snow off the main trail they wanna they wanna stake, and that way the ice freezes thicker quicker. And it, it just there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes, but it's it's gonna be happening quick whenever it happens. And you know, I always say that you know, spearing will happen in those back bays usually in November, as we see it could happen this next week perhaps, and then. Um, you know, resorts normally get their day houses out. Those are the the houses that don't have bunk beds in them, but just you go out ice fishing for the day, the hard-sided houses. They'll get those out typically uh, right around December 10th, give or take a little bit. And um, it's it's hopefully we'll be on track this year, but I'll tell you that early ice fishing can be really, really good if you can get a, a bonus trip up there. Has anybody been fishing? I'm sure there's been people that have been out fishing on the Rainy River. Um, have you been hearing anything up there or, or have a lot of people focused on deer hunting up there, you think? You know what? The people that have been fishing have been rewarded. This is the time of year that, that a lot of people that, uh, you know, fish at Walleye River in the fall. Uh, sorry, the Rainy River in the fall at Walleye River. It is a Walleye River. <laughs> a lot of people that fish the Rainy River in the fall are the same people that love deer hunting. And, you know, deer hunting is such a short season. So consequently, um, yeah, no, they, they, there, haven't, there hasn't been much fishing once deer hunting started. That's just the way it is every year. Now, for a few hardcore anglers who don't really deer hunt, I'll tell you what, they get rewarded nicely. They get the river to themselves, and yeah, normally there's some good fish in there that are quite cooperative. And then this is kind of a transition time for those resorts up there too, isn't it? Oh, it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, these resort owners work hard. So some of them, this is a time they deer hunt. Some of them have gone on vacation to maybe a warmer destination, getting ready for the big ice fishing season. Um, there's a lot of work that goes on during the off season. It's, it's uh, building new houses, painting uh, existing houses, prepping existing houses, getting make sure all your, your light ice rigs are, are ready to roll mechanically, making sure that your people hauler trailers are ready to go mechanically. I mean, there's just so much work, all the ice augers and all the equipment you need. And, 
just there's so much to it. And then and then just making sure that in today's world, you're staffed properly to, you know, maintain all the aspects of running a resort. So, yeah, it's really a lot of work in the off season. The work doesn't really stop. However, I think a lot of the resorts will take just a, a breather, you know, during the late fall. And because uh, they know coming back, uh, you know, early December, it's going to be go time. Yeah, for sure. Now, can you can you there? There's guys doing guided spearing up there, I'd assume then, right? There are, yeah. You know, and a, and a few resorts, if people were interested in going up and doing spearing, and you know, one one of the things about Lake of the Woods is that we have a slot limit for pike, 30 to 40 inches you must release. You can get one over 40 inches per day, and your limit is three pike per day. So it makes it kind of hard when you're spearing because it's quite difficult to estimate length. So the, the people that spear up there, the guides and stuff, have different, you know, techniques to estimate whether a pike is long enough or not, or if it's less than 30. And then they got some different tricks they use. But uh, nonetheless, you know, I know that uh, uh, Johnson's Walleye Retreat, I know that Bugsy's on Bostic, and I know Zippo Bay, uh, those three for sure I know do uh, spearing early in the season. So if anybody wanted to get up and spear Lake of the Woods, I mean, you have a legitimate chance of getting a pike that's over 40 inches in some of those back bays. And uh, it's also the first – really the, one of the first games in town when it comes to any kind of ice activities because we're so far north and we got those back bays that freeze up first. Well, I haven't, I don't, we've talked about cast and blast up there before, Joe, but I don't think we've ever talked about like a, a grouse hunting, pike spearing cast and blast type trip. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? I mean, you're, you're right because grouse hunting goes late and of course that's right when the, the, the back bays. I'll tell you, I, uh, I don't do much spearing but I am just absolutely fascinated at watching fish. And uh, so for that reason, I know I would enjoy pike spearing because I love watching those fish go under the ice. And, you know, I ask some of those people that spear, um, specifically the guides and resort owners, do you ever see anything besides pike? And they're like, you know, mainly pike, but once in a while we'll see some nice walleyes come through based on where our houses are at. And um, it's, it's just very interesting. Those pike, I mean, you know, I, I communicate quite regularly with the Minnesota DNR up there, and they have a really good handle on things. Every three years, they'll do a pike sampling out of one of the one of the back uh, feeder streams where pike spawn. And there are so many pike that are over 40 inches in mm-hmm. Lake of the Woods. And that's, that's why they manage it that way, by the way. That's why they have a slot limit that's 30 to 40 inches you must release is because they're managing it for a trophy pike lake. Heck, I, got, I, got, uh, I had a few resort owners say, you know, can you do something to increase the pike limits so we can get those darn pike out of here? There's too many big pike in here, you know. And other people are saying, what do I mean, too many big pike? Oh, yeah. my goodness, you know. That's funny. Well, um, that'd be that'd be fun to do. And and I, I'm the same way. Like, I'm not a big pike spearing kind of guy. A lot, Honestly, with my big pike, I usually it's usually a catch and release type situation. But the coolest part about spearing is being able to see all the fish and all the life under the, under the water. It's like having an aquarium at your feet, you know, you get in one of those dark houses and close all the windows, close all the doors. You got a big hole cut. And during the day, that light just lights up the world underneath the ice. And you can see all sorts of critters down there. And uh, I mean, whether you're like, we did some sight fishing through the ice last year where we cut open a big hole and it just, I mean, your neck starts to get sore after a while. Cause you're staring down like that all the time, but it's uh, it's really cool to be able to see what's going on in the water like that. Well, you know um, yeah. So we, of course, the other thing to consider with Lake of the Woods is that our water is stained water. So, you know, you, you're, you're spearing in relatively shallow water, whereas, you know, you go to some lakes in Minnesota with clear water, you might be spearing in 10 feet of water. And you might be able to angle for perch and do some different things that way, too, because you can see all the fish. Lake of the Woods is a little bit different that way. But uh, 
I think nonetheless, why would people want to go up the Lake of the Woods if you uh, if you've always wanted to get a, a pike over forty inches, uh, you know, by spearing? That that would be a reason why. And it's the first; it's it's really the first game in town as far as uh, spearing goes. Um, but our, our water is stained, Brett, and consequently they gotta they gotta be. I think they're usually in about five or six feet of water when they're spearing. Yeah, the shallower it's it's kind of wild sometimes, especially when you get later into the year and you've got four feet of ice. <laughs> you know, sometimes that those guys are cutting through to uh, to do to, to fish or to or to spear. Sometimes it's a lot of ice and you're in real shallow water. Well, it'd be an interesting experience up there, and maybe people just want to start thinking about booking an ice fishing trip for uh, for walleyes and sauger up there. Where should they go for more info, Joe? And I tell you what, Brett, it should be good because those fish are staged in the late fall spots off that south shore just like they should be. And, of course, up in the, the different spots of the, the angle as well. But you know what? Uh, if, uh, if folks want to find out more about renting a fish house, finding out where they can stay if they want to bring their own equipment, whatever the case might be, check out our website. And that is lakeofthewoodsmn.com. 852 million acres of public land. 147 million private properties. All in the palm of your hand. The number one hunting GPS app just got better. With hundreds of custom map layers, 3D and topographic maps, you can easily scout on the road or at home before you go. And now you can get important weather details, CWD detection, and even know what crops have been planted where. Get the most trusted hunting GPS app ever made. Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. This is Sporting Journal Radio. Thanks for tuning in on this station right here. Maybe you're watching this on YouTube. Thank you very much. Or if you've downloaded the podcast, we appreciate it. I'm Brett Amundsen. That's Dan Amundsen over there. And the other day, I saw a picture come through on my Facebook feed. I'm like, well, that's a big fish. And it's Garrett Severe, so I'm not really surprised. And he joins us now to tell us about that fish and the other fish that he's been catching right now. Garrett, how you doing? Hey, doing good, Brett. Thanks for having me on. So we have been uh, steelhead fishing. That's what uh, we kind of focus on in the fall. Obviously, my nephew Mac and I guide steelhead on the Wisconsin Brule River in the fall. Then we do the Minnesota North Shore and the Brule River in the spring. So have you um, been have you been guiding lately, or have you just been out chasing fish around? Uh, a good combination. So we don't uh, guide on Lake Michigan, but um, in between trips, I've been able to sneak over and fish on the Lake Michigan trips a few times, which uh, it's been pretty awesome over there. The salmon runs were just incredible. I mean, we ran into walls of salmon, you know, that big black pods of fish that are so thick you can hardly drift through them. I mean, just mm-hmm. incredible. Um, and then what we've really been focusing on is uh, trying to leave the salmon alone, honestly, and focus on big trout that are behind them eating eggs like you're seeing there, like big browns, big steelhead. And I've been fortunate that I've hooked into a few nice browns and uh, truly a giant steelhead the other day one of the biggest that i've ever caught it was it was 34 inches and you know probably around 15 pounds Jeez, 34 inches look at that fish and i didn't realize just how big of a you know like how big of a hump they get like that yeah that's a big male you can see and uh the males will get those big humpy backs on them they'll get that big hook jaw that you can see Mm -hmm. um and they'll get those those real red spawning colors now uh, steelhead's a, a spring spawning fish, but these fish will run over um, into the rivers in the fall, spend the whole winter in the river, and then drop back out in the spring and uh, and, and lay their eggs on their way back out to Lake Michigan or Lake Superior. This happens to be a Lake Michigan fish. You can tell it's a Lake Michigan fish, too. That back adipose fin is missing. So right mm-hmm. behind the dorsal fin, you can tell that was clipped off, so that is a hatchery fish. They don't have much wild reproduction out on Lake Michigan, but... Uh, 
it's really a, a food factory for these fish, much less sterile than Lake Superior. So the fish grow really big out there. So kind of some pluses and minuses uh, for both. Lake Superior fish are 100% wild, but it's a pretty sterile environment that those fish grow in. There's not a bunch of food in the system for them, and so we don't we don't usually see fish of that proportion. So, but we never see fish in that proportion. Yeah, that thing is huge. So, what are what are they eating over there? You know, I, I think the primary food source is alewives that drives everything over there. You know, that's really the driving force of that whole fishery over there, whether it be salmon or or steelhead. Uh, alewives really really uh, kind of drive all that, and we don't have those in Lake Superior. We have uh, smelt, which is kind of our driving force. But you see fluctuations in, in smell populations, and um, and uh, you know it's a real sterile environment. It just doesn't have as much food, and so the fish just don't grow quite like they do over there. So but how did how, our fish are one hundred percent born in the wild? It's kind of neat to go out and catch fish that are not hatchery fish too. So I think there's pluses and minuses for for both fisheries for sure. Absolutely. I definitely like to explore both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that's that's a testament too to the to their fisheries management over there. If they're producing fish like that coming out of a uh, hatchery, uh, I mean, catching wild native fish is neat too, you know. But um, catching something that big, so is that your biggest steelhead then? Boy, it's right up there. It's in the top uh, top three or four for sure. I've got one on, on the wall in my basement. Um, again, I wouldn't kill a wildfish, but I, I do have a skin mount of uh, one that's right around the same length, but a little bit heavier fish, if you can believe that, hmm. wow. um, from, from uh, the same river system, actually. How and the- I believe that fish, and, and this is really tough to tell, they have different subspecies of rainbows that they stock over there. And I believe that's a Ganaraskin is what that fish is, but they also have Arleys. Um, and they've got a few different types of steelhead that you can, you can catch over there. But I, I believe based on the dynamics and the body shape of that fish, that that's a Ganaraskin steelhead. How do the, how do the tributaries over there compare to fishing the North shore superior tributa- tributaries? Um, you know, it's a lot bigger water. So imagine more like fishing on the Mississippi River than fishing on the North Shore Lake Superior. You're fishing a lot bigger waters. Um, most of them are uh, stopped by a dam instead of a waterfall. You know, where mm. we have natural barriers where I grew up in two harbors on the North Shore Lake Superior, up, up from two harbors of the Canadian border. We have natural barriers. So there'll be a natural waterfall that'll stop the migration of fish and they'll continually try to jump it as you've seen and captured some of the best images I've ever seen, actually, you guys. Um, but they, they won't make it above the waterfall. And it's kind of the same thing on these uh, Lake Michigan, Wisconsin tributaries is that they'll continually try to jump the falls, the man-made, water, the, the man-made uh, dam, and they won't make it up there either. But uh, that, that stops the migration of fish. So much like the North Shore, if you want to find a place that's going to concentrate a lot of fish, all those dams uh, are going to concentrate fish uh, because that's as far as they can make it on the migration. Yeah, that was a king salmon. You know, I think what was kind of unique – and, and I don't live there, and so you got to take this with a grain of salt, is um, the coho run was just astronomical over there this year. The Wisconsin DNR must be putting a ton of cohos into Lake Michigan lately. Hmm. And we're starting to see those numbers now because I, I fish down there as much as I can in the fall. I'm, I try to be out there, you know, oh, a dozen times in the fall when I'm not guiding. And I've never seen the coho so thick where you could literally see – you know, pods of them moving upstream that were 
a hundred fish at a time in some cases coming upstream. So if you uh, are interested, we're kind of at the tail end of it now. The kings are dead for the most part on Lake Michigan. The cohos are kind of on the tail end of their life cycle. What's cool about it, if you go catch them now is you can get those real beautiful ones that people kind of want to catch for a replica or a wall mounter with the fire truck red on them, you know, mm-hmm. the big red sides. And um, But it, the run, uh, I've never seen it like this over here. You know, usually you catch a few coals a day. You can literally go out now and catch, you know, uh, 30, 40 coals a day with, with ease. On you, almost every stream from Michigan all the way down to Milwaukee. Now, you don't guide over there, though, right? You just guide on the North Shore? I don't, yeah. that's. Uh, yeah, I'm a rule. tourist over there. I just like to, I just like to go chase fish, <laughs> you know? And it's always fun to kind of explore, too. You know, if you spend a bunch of time in the Brule all fall, as beautiful and fun as it is, it's, it's kind of nice to get out of there and go do something different, too, you know? I'm sure you get that with ducks, too. Do you, is it kind of fun to go traveling? Oh, a hundred percent. We're going to hunt in Alaska here in just a little bit. Are we're you gonna, really? Yeah, and we're going to shoot. You know, we're going to we're going to shoot some sea ducks up there, which are obviously our target species. But we're going to you know probably shoot some mallards or some you know some ducks that we shoot around here too. But we don't get to shoot them around here with mountains in the background. You know, uh, <laughs> sitting on Kodiak <laughs> Island. So uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Now, when you're fishing over there. And you're fishing these wider, wider rivers and tributaries and streams. Are you are you using different techniques than you would in the in the narrower? Is there more more current on the North Shore tributaries? Are you are you doing different things? You know that was a learning curve for me going over there, and it's made me a better angler all around. And kind of learning how to fish these Lake Michigan streams because yeah, when I first uh, went out there, you know our our rivers are real narrow and pretty fast current and we uh, tended to use real small floats i like to fish with a center pin reel as you well know uh, bobber fishing with eggs and beads and stuff like that is really kind of what i like to do uh, mac my other guide uh, he's more into the fly fishing aspect of things and going over and, and float fishing on these bigger wider streams what i had to do is i had to use a lot bigger floats so these bobbers were using our weighted in grams and usually we use five or six gram floats with six grams of weight under it on the North Shore and the South Shore, uh, Lake Superior tributaries. And I'm using more like 11 gram floats and, uh, you know, bigger uh, floats with heavier split shot underneath them on these streams just to kind of combat that slow moving water. What I noticed with the small ones, if I'd go and fish my gear from back home, is I would throw that out on the center pin. And as I'm drifting, I'm dragging that float towards me. So I'm drifting like, you know, it starts out here and I'm kind of pulling it throughout my whole drift and it ends closer to me. So to follow a seam and, and keep going straight, I just had to use bigger floats and more split shots. So yeah, I have had to adjust my techniques a little bit. Hmm. Um, you know, the other thing is, is uh, the fish max had to adjust to it from a fly fishing standpoint. So like the Brule is really a classic fly fishing stream. Like you can go out there and catch them on spawn bags and bobbers like I do. But there's a lot of bug life there. If you pull a log out of the water, if you flip a rock over, you're going to see all these bugs. You know, there's big stone flies, there's hexagenia mayfly larva, there's all this. Whereas these streams over there, I think probably because of pollution, that there's essentially no bug life whatsoever. So when you're fly fishing, you really have to focus on 
a lot of times he's running just beads and egg patterns because you know you're you're not going to catch much on a these fish just don't see stoneflies in the river and they these steelhead have never seen a bug before so so he had to kind of adjust his tactics a little bit uh, over there too so what he's been kind of doing over there and he did really well especially on salmon was swinging big intruder flies with no weight hmm. so uh, you know we're talking you know, flies that are three and a half inches long made out of craft fur and you're kind of trying to do the same thing that somebody over there would be doing if they're a hardware caster somebody who casts like now, and you see that a lot on Lake Michigan, less on, on Lake Superior, but a lot of guys out there will cast spinners and spoons and try to elicit a, an, aggress- an aggression response from these salmon and, and uh, steelhead. And, um, he, he's kind of trying to do the same thing with a fly. He's fishing a big intruder fly and swinging that thing, uh, you know, quartering it across stream and swinging it downstream with no weight on his line, uh, but using some sinking tips some some – uh, OPST heads to get his fly down to where the fish are. And you put that in front of their face and kind of, you know, they'll be, these salmon, they'll be on a nest. And if you kind of in, intrude their space and their, their baby making, they'll grab a hold of it just out of aggression, you know, like get it out of here. And so that's kind of a fun way too. And they hit those so hard, they'll about rip the rod out of your hand. So oh, it's, nice. that's a pretty exciting way to go fishing too. And an angler can do the same thing with, uh, a MEP spinner, you know, a number three MEPs or a Vibrex is a really good choice down there in those streams this time of year. Little Cleos and Castmasters, but, you know, small ones you can fish in the river. So are you done fishing up at the North Shore then, or are you going to try to fish a little bit we more got a week. We got a week left uh, on the South Shore. Um, on the North Shore, I just do spring because mm-hmm. the runs, especially with low water, the runs are pretty dismal in the North Shore. In the fall in the North Shore, you will get some pink salmon early, you know, end of September. But unless you get a lot of water, you really don't see big numbers of cohos or steelhead. You know, it's it's pretty pretty low numbers of fish. Um, but there's only a week left. The brule closes on the 15th. And, no, I'm going to be back over there. we got a handful of guide trips to wrap up still um, towards the end of the season here. And, uh, now we're, Fishing we're, has actually gotten better. We finally got some rain in brule last week. Okay. So, um the best fishing of the season, I think, is going to be this last week. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really super good here. Man, the weather right, is... right up until the fifteenth at dark is when you can fish. So a half hour before dark. The, we could have used a little bit of rain earlier this fall. I think you know if for hunting too. We're so low where we're at right now. I was going to ask you about that. What what are conditions like? Have they been pretty low most of the year? Oh, incredible! The lowest I've ever seen it. Um, you know, the Brule River is measured in cubic feet per second, and you can go to a USGS website and see what the flow is at Brule. And, you know, we consider 130, 135, pretty low water steelhead fishing. It was, uh, you know, 122 is the highest I've seen it all fall until last weekend. Hmm. You know, and so it just, just is low and clear, and, and it really cuts down the amount of water where you can fish too, uh, you kind of know where the fish are going to be. They're going to be holed up in that deep dark stuff where you can't see the bottom, but it, uh, it causes some problems in that, uh, it really concentrates the angling pressure on those big spots too, or where you can't see the bottom and where kind of all the fish are hiding out. Yeah. Did you run into a lot of other anglers? Yeah, it was busy this fall and, uh, it just really concentrated the pressure on those big holes just because, uh, you know, a lot of that marginal water just, it wasn't even an option because it was ankle deep or knee deep at best. Mm. Do you, do you find, 
you know, I always struggle. I know fishing gets really good in the fall, whether it's steelhead or uh, uh, walleye fishing for that matter. But I just struggle because I get so excited to hunt. I, I love to hunt. So uh-huh. I get, I, it's hard for me to uh, to fish. And last year, we actually did some fishing in the fall. This year, not not quite as much. We did a little bit up at the northwest angle and caught some walleyes. But um, didn't get much of a chance to fish much around here. Do you do you struggle with that, or are you just straight on? I'm I put the guns away. I'm going to fish all fall, kind of guy. Man, I love to chase migratory trout and salmon out of all the Great Lakes, you know. And so for me, I I always say I wish fall came around twice a year and lasted six months each time. It's <laughs> my favorite time of year. I, you know, I want to be up or really out on the water every day somewhere. Uh, and, and there's just so many things that I don't even make time to do. You know, I, I got a good buddy who's even catching, I probably shouldn't say this on the air, but he's even catching some big migratory coaster brook trout oh, wow. up on the North shore. Uh, and we're talking, you know, 20 inch plus fish. Now you don't get a lot wow. of them, but he, he's running into a few of those big brookies and he's been, you know, texting me, even you got to come up here. I think I can put you on a, like a world-class brook trout, you know? <laughs> But just so much going on, I haven't even made time to do it. And as far as hunting, yeah, I used to – I talked to you a little bit about, you know, before the show when, when I first got on that. I used to really love to deer hunt, and I kind of even forgot it was uh, opener last week. I just uh, kind of got away from it. The area I hunted, uh, Two Harbors, we have some property up there. and um, I've hunted there with my family for years. It just It's been so tough. Um, there's, there's just not really hardly any deer at all up there. And so, uh, I kind of lost interest because of how tough the hunting was, but there are things that I definitely miss out on. You know, I guess the, the, the big thing that I kind of miss is getting together with family and playing some Euchre and having a few beers and talking smart over good, good food at, at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the whole point of deer camp, right? I mean, yeah, you want to exactly. go shoot some deer, but it's uh, it's all about that tradition of getting together. And, uh, you know, the, the deer numbers up there aren't quite what they were either for, for a few reasons. One, one probably big four legged reason I'm sure up in that part of the world. Did you, have you seen yeah, a lot of wolves I'm, up there? I'm not, a, I'm not a wolf hater by any stretch of the imagination, but it just seems like on my property in two harbors, there, there's just so many all of a sudden, like, you know, I, in the nineties growing up there, when we would shoot a lot of mature whitetails, you would hear some wolves hauling at night, but you wouldn't see them during the day where it's pretty commonplace to run into a pack sitting in your stand midday hmm. uh, now. And I think it's the reason that we're starting to see them, you know, and not just hear them at night is there's, there's just far more than there ever was. And, you know, we kind of can judge that just by the amount of wolf sign, even on my property. I mean, there's uh you run into kills uh, like I've never seen in my life in the spring deer kills. Uh, and you're like, wow, there was a few deer on the property. I found three of them now, you know, and uh, you know, tracks and, you know, it, it just, it just seems like there's just an absolute ton of them right now. And I, you know, I, I don't know that they have any natural predators, and so I, I don't know that I necessarily see the problem getting better anytime soon. But I'm not a an expert on, on whitetails up there, but I, I kind of I think at least on our property, that's that's our biggest hurdle. There's just so many wolves. Well, there's only one predator really, and uh, that predator's hands are tied right now. Yeah, I think that's us. Yeah, <laughs> right. Hey, I, I wanted to say too. Um, did you win any? costume contest for your halloween costume this year (laughs) (laughs) no i didn't but i did freak some customers out uh so that was fun i made it all worthwhile buying it (laughs) i had a group of customers that uh 
I had to get into his spot pretty early because we were on a few steelhead and it was uh, Halloween morning. And I had to get into the spot pretty early because uh, it, it just had been busy and crowded. And I, I knew we were going to get on some good fishing. And so I got in the spot in the dark and the customers met me down there in the morning at fishing time, you know, a little before 7 a.m. I heard them and seen their headlamps coming down the trail. So I quickly got my mask out of my pack and, <laughs> and stood by the river. And uh, I think they, they all about jumped when they came around the corner. <laughs> so it was, it was worthwhile to buy it anyway. <laughs> we should explain to the listeners, if, if they're not watching this, what your, what your costume was, Garrett. Uh, it's, it's just a horse mask. That's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I like how this picture, it must be you and your son here. And you're just like in a, I, I don't just a polo shirt or a jacket or something and blue jeans and a horse mask. <laughs> and a horse mask. Yeah. It was, it was uh, not super well thought out, but it, it was, uh, you know, I pulled the Halloween costume off for sure. That's <laughs> my, it's honestly my kind of costume. I don't ever dress up, but when I do, it's usually something pretty basic like that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, I really, I brought it down to the river not to scare my customers in the morning, although that was pretty funny, <laughs> but I brought it down there and what I was thinking, it'd be good for my guide Instagram to stand behind them, you know, and uh, <laughs> once, once they had a steelhead, you know, then stand behind them in the horse mask, <laughs> you know, I, I was going to caption it something to the extent of uh, all the great guides on the Lake Superior tributaries. And for some reason, I still get people that hire me. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Or just but, off uh, in the I distance. To do it. You know, we caught some fish and I was so busy netting and trying to take care of the fish that I never even pulled off my, yeah. my Instagram shots. Would have been funny if you were just kind of off in the distance in the background, just standing there, just, just a dude in a horse mask <laughs> standing in the background. <laughs> right, exactly. Creepy. Well, um, we should, we should give your guide service a plug slab seeker fishing Garrett, where do people find you? How do they reach you? If they, if they want to do, uh, some pan fish fishing with you, if, uh, you, you'd be guiding in the winter. Yeah, I got some cool things coming up. So, um, winter trout opener starts mid January. The reason I bring that up is you and I got to experience it last year and, uh, we had some fun, right? It was, it was cool. I'm actually editing that for Prairie Sportsman right now. So uh, sight fishing rainbow trout. It was really cool. Yeah, and uh, I think we had we had pretty good numbers that day, right? We had good numbers of fish. Oh yeah, we had good numbers of fish. We saw some. Uh, I think you had a big brown that came through that you missed. Um, I think you were texting probably at the time, maybe. <laughs> I think I was. Yeah, I think that's probably accurate. <laughs> yeah. No, and, that, was, uh, that was way cool. It's kind of a fun adventure, and so people are starting to call and kind of book that. It starts, the season opens in Minnesota for uh, inland trout water mid-January. I'd have to look at my phone and see what the dates are on that. But I think, I want to say it's the 14th, 15th off the top of my head is the winter trout opener. And so uh, we'll kind of be gung-ho for a few weeks doing that. It's uh, a really a different bite if you're used to just walleye and panfish all winter. Uh, people have been kind of excited to mix it up and do something different. We uh, we sight fish for them, so you can look down your hole and watch these rainbow trout come in, and it's kind of fun to interact with the fish. And you'll see some, you know, it can be frustrating, as we've seen uh, that day at Prairie Sportsman. You can see some big fish come in, and a lot of times those are the ones that you never get to commit on your lure. Um, but some days you do, you know, And uh, but it's, it's fun to watch them race in and try to work those, and uh, kind of an exciting thing to do. And then obviously panfish, we're going to do crappies, and, uh, big bluegills, big trophy panfish all winter. I'll tell you what, though, so, Garrett, that 
I mean, trout in general, just aggressive, angry fish. They're strong. Even the small ones, when you try to hold them, they squirm so much. You can feel the even the small ones. You can feel how strong they are by the by just not being able to hold them. Um, but being able to watch watch them come in, see how they react to whatever presentation you've got down there, you know, crystal clear water. I think we were in, I don't know, about 10, 11 feet of water, I think that day or eight. We were on a, uh, a slope. I think it was like, you know, eight to 14 or whatever it was. I don't remember, but you can see them. You can watch the entire thing. You can watch them hit it. You can, you can uh, jig them up, jig them down, whatever. But those little ones particularly are so aggressive. They usually cooperate pretty well as long as you can see them and, uh, and you don't miss them. But it's it's hands down some of the most fun winter fishing I think anybody can have. Yeah, and I always think about bluegills because I do a lot of both in the winter, and it seems like in really cold water through the ice, bluegills just get so lethargic and they move so slow. Where I think these trout are the opposite; they really thrive in that environment and they move fast uh, as can be in that cold water. <laughs> you know, they fly in and fly out. <laughs> Where just days before that, I'm staring at a Vexar and watching these bluegills slowly, methodically follow my jig up an inch at a time, you know. And then these these trout come in like kamikazes. You can barely Whack. see them in your hole, and they're gone. You're like, what happened <laughs> with that one? Then he'll fly back in and hit the jig, you know. Yeah, they're, they're so, so much if you fun. haven't done that, it's something to experience. A lot of my customers that, you know, fish panfish with me, a lot of convinced them to do it. And now they, they do it every year. They're like, oh, yeah, we got to set up our trout trip. Well, we'll have you back on to talk about that again, and then we'll either we'll either have you tell that story here on this show, or you can tell the story, or people can wait until they see the episode on Prairie Sportsman and see what what it's all about. We'll uh, we'll have that in the next season, starting in January. But we'll have you tell the story about why you don't cut a a big giant spear hole anymore. Why? It's... <laughs> I will for sure. You know. And- there's days that I could do that too, but uh, yeah, there there was a time where things went bad for sure. Sure, we'll save that story. All right, uh, Garrett, where do people find you to book a trip? Yeah, absolutely. I have a website at slabseekerfishing.com. Otherwise, uh, a lot of people like the Facebook page. I try to keep it updated all the time with whatever kind of sh- fishing shenanigans we're up to, uh, even Lake Michigan adventures, which we don't guide. Um, it's just slabseeker fishing on Facebook. There's also an Instagram, even it's uh, Instagram uh, slabseeker fishing. Very good. Garrett Sphere, thanks for the dime today on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Have a good day. Good luck hunting. Looking for winter adventure? Might as well pick a place with over 1,000 lakes. Ottertail County, Minnesota is in the middle of everywhere, offers a simpler pace, and has something for everyone. Find your inner otter at ottertillakescountry.com. Ice fishing season is here. This winter, plan a trip to Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Not only will you have the chance to catch their legendary perch, but this year, Haybale Heights has been catching big walleye after big walleye. And they're doing it from a mobile, comfortable snow bear. No matter how cold it is outside, you're warm and toasty on the inside. Learn more and book a trip today at haybaleheights.com. That's haybaleheights.com. All right, it's time to head up to Devil's Lake, Haybale Heights Campground and Resort with Lucas Mertens. Lucas, how you doing? Hey, uh, everything is good up here. Yeah? How's uh, it's been a good fall for you, it sounds like. Yeah, harvest was, um, for once, it was pretty easy, actually. Um, <laughs> har- harvest went well, and 
There's still a few people duck hunting. Um, there was some fall fishing going on. The, the, the walleyes were biting real well here. Um, but we're supposed to get a big storm um, coming tomorrow. So probably put an end to, to some of that duck hunting and probably the fishing too until until ice up. Yeah, we were excited for uh, North Dakota. We were going to take a North Dakota waterfowl trip this week, as a matter of fact. And then we saw the weather forecast and decided, uh, eh, maybe we won't drive into that. Right. Yeah, I think I think uh, some radio stations and TV shows are showing anywhere from like six to fifteen inches for us. So hmm. I guess probably somewhere in the middle there. Long range forecast. So lots of cold temperatures. You'll probably start building ice early this year. I bet. Yeah, we might uh, lock the big lake up uh, a little bit earlier than we have in the past few years. So maybe there's a chance for some for some snow bear fishing before Christmas. I know, you know, maybe one out of every four years or five years, maybe we get out and, and do some guiding before Christmas. Um, so there's probably a pretty good shot at that this year. Hmm. And you got you you added some more snow bears this year. Well, we're going to run six. Um, that's kind of where we've been, five to six each year. Um, we got um, kind of the same deal. We got the lodging. We got the guided snow bear uh, package. Um, everything's just kind of, we're just waiting for it to lock up and, and get busy here. Well, I, uh, I, you know, I'm sure you're looking forward to it. I know your ice fishing business is a big part of it. I'm not ready for it yet, Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> well... I don't know if we're ever ready for it until it's here. I mean, I'm not really ready for it either, but, um, I mean, I am, but I'm not. Um, it's it's hard to say goodbye to fall um, yeah. since, we, since we had such a nice fall. But, um, yeah, I won't be long, and then we'll be talking about summer fishing. That's just how fast time goes. Right. Do you have, uh, like, how soon or how far out are you booked up if people want to book a, book a trip? What? Well, I've been booking everybody just uh, right after Christmas, like we typically do. If we get some good ice here, um, we'll go out and we'll do some exploring. Obviously, we'll walk out first and do some checking and, and build enough ice where we think we could run a snow bear. And then um, I guess if we get good enough ice, I'll you know I'll kind of throw some stuff on social media, and you know that's usually some really good fishing that early ice. Um, so I'll throw some stuff on social media and then we'll you know we'll see you know if there's anybody out there that wants to go fishing and away we go i don't think you guys have been as dry as we have been but how are your lake levels right now oh devil's lake we we rose for about four feet this spring and i would say we lost probably a foot and a half to maybe two feet of that back again which is pretty typical you know devil's lake will usually drop about two feet throughout the summer um, but our lake levels are, are great. Um, the, our, you know, we were dry this fall too. Our, our sloughs and our duck ponds dried up a little bit, but lake level, we should be probably two, two and a half feet higher than we were last year at freeze up. So that those dry conditions kind of help you, uh, get your crops out of the field, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a good fall. Um, and I think it, all it did was it kind of concentrated the ducks a little bit instead of them having, you know, let's say 50 sloughs to pick from they maybe only had 25 so i don't i don't think it hurt the hunting one bit man i'll tell you what i don't know if you saw the same thing over there but we saw more pintails i think than normal and then i i probably shot more green wing teal this fall than i maybe ever have i feel like we've had green wings around forever 
Yeah, yeah, we we did see some of the the same things, and actually right now there's a um, probably one of the biggest snow goose you know kind of populations I've seen over here in a few years. There's just every field you look in almost has got you know thousands of snow geese. All right, right we're now. on our way. We're coming. <laughs> well. Yeah, if you can get here before tomorrow morning, you'll be good. So. <laughs> That's the problem. Like we were trying to time it for this week to come up there because we we were hearing some some good reports of snow goose numbers, and that's what we wanted to hunt was was snows. I mean, we'd I'd get into some mallards if we could get into them in the field too. But man, we're looking forward to chasing snow geese around. Um, we're just really worried about what this weather is going to do to the migration. If if they're going to just everything's going to lock up and push them all out. Right. Yeah. It very well could. I mean, it seems like they hang around and they get a real uh, strong north or northwest wind. It seems like then, poof, you know, they're in South Dakota in no time. How is deer hunting around up there this year? Well, we opened uh, last Friday, so um, we're about a week into it. I think our, you know, our deer numbers are probably about the same as they were last year, but um, um, I'm looking forward to a little snow so we can see them a little bit better. Uh, I've been taking my my oldest boy out, sitting in the blind every night, and yeah, we're seeing quite a few deer. So it's yeah, um, hopefully a little luck, and we'll get one down. Are you seeing bucks chasing does around? Just starting to, yep, yeah, starting to kind of chase them around a little bit. All right. Well, if people want to get in one of those snow bears this winter uh, up at Haybell Heights Campground Resort on Devil's Lake, what do they do, Lucas? Well, they can call me direct. My phone number is seven zero one. 351-3130. They can go on our Facebook page or they can go on our website, haybellheights.com, to get all the prices. Haybellheights.com. Lucas Mertens, thanks for the time today on the show. Hey, thank you. Sporting Journal Radio is a division of Macaba LLC. If you've got a question, comment, or story idea for us, send us an email. Go to sportingjournalradio.com. While you're there, you can learn how to advertise on the show and visit our store for hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Go to sportingjournalradio.com.